You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Welcome to the Waystation. To ensure traveler safety and comfort, please deposit your baggage at the door. The Waystation encourages open discussions. All stories are also accepted. Rest from your journey through life. Enjoy your stay, and please come again. Welcome back to the Waystation. I'm your host, Stephanie. And with me today, per usual, is my best friend, Shim. Hello. It's been a while. It has been a while, because didn't you do a thing where I wasn't at? Yeah, we went to uh, C4. Two weeks, two weekends ago. It was a Memorial Day weekend and we were supposed to record, but unfortunately, Dave is also here as well. Hi, Dave. What's up, folks? Is it um, his fault? It well, is absolutely all my fault. It's oh, not his Dave. fault. He, th- he had a, a booth up there, but then he's building a studio at Detroit Shipyard mm-hmm. and he was supposed to have it, you know, everything that he needed to build it out on, you know, Thursday. And we wound up doing, uh, yeah, so there was that, uh, that got delayed. And no, actually, I was supposed to have all the stuff on Tuesday. Okay. So that I could have it all done by Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then that got delayed. And then they hit me with, oh, yeah, we need to do this really super cool panel discussion thing with basically the godfathers of house music um, from Detroit and Chicago. And uh, we need gear. And so, uh, and then we had brewery chaos. And it was just my chair. It was I just, didn't fart. That was my chair. It was just not good. It was, it was, it was a, it was a horror. So yeah, we wound up actually having to bag out, which was bad because I really wanted to hit C4. I've heard such good things about it over the years. Um, and wound up not being able to go and that sucked. Yeah. It was, re- it, it was, it was really good. It's always like so much fun. But yeah, so that's why we didn't have a show two weeks ago because I was in Traverse City and Dave was here. Yep. <laughs> and so there was no, there was no means for me to do a show. So I apologize. But we are back, and I don't have a convention for a while, so we shouldn't have any problems. Well, all the good ones are are letters and numbers, though, aren't they? You have um, C4, E3. Well, and there's C2, E2. Which is a droid. It's a droid. <laughs> I know it. Um, but yeah, so, you know, glad to be back. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. I guess the most recent thing, and we'll just do this and be done with the sad. Um, Anthony Bourdain, unfortunately, uh, died by suicide yesterday. And it was kind of shocking because uh, me and Shim are like really big fans. We've, you know, mm-hmm. we've watched him for years. I legitimately consider him like a personal hero. I do. And there's a lot of people that were saying that too. So it, it came as a shock. I mean, his life seems so great. He's doing what he loves. He's super passionate. But that just goes to show that what we appear on the outside doesn't reflect, you know, the struggle that we have going on on the inside. And, you know, my condolences to his family, um, and, you know, to his daughter, uh, his friends. It's just it's really sad because he, he was like I was talking to somebody yesterday and I said, you know, he's like the Charles uh, Bukowski of, you know, like food and travel. He was like really gritty, real, you know, he made it travel and like food really interesting to me not that travel and food were like a bummer to me before that but he the way that he portrayed it was unique and it had his his voice and it made it special to me i guess so um that he'll be greatly missed and like there's nobody that can step in his shoes not really no and the thing is is that 
he never shied away from discussing like the dark parts of his life. Like I've read one of his, it may have been his first book, but one of his first books was uh, Kitchen Confidential. Yeah. And it, it basically starts off with the concept that working in a kitchen is like being on a pirate ship. So everyone's drunk or high and stabbing <laughs> each other. And it's just, it's complete chaos. And somehow you get a working object out of it. And I mean, like working in a pizzeria. I can see maybe like one eighth of that, but I get where he was coming from and it resonated with me, you know, and, and I also read like a cook's tour. And the thing is, is like that was for me, um, between him and Andrew Zimmern, uh, mostly of Bizarre Foods. I love Andrew Zimmern. Yeah. And, and they, and they, they were friends. And I mean, I watched, I watched CNN special last night, which was a lot of, you know, suicide prevention spots and a lot of, you know, Eric Repair and Andrew Zimmer and others talking about their friendship with him. Um, but he never shied away from talking about the dark parts of his life. And honestly, as much as he was seemed happy, you know, we can speculate all we want, but there was a dark side to him. But mostly the thing is like between him and Andrew Zimmern, they both had these shows that were supposed to be about food. But really, they were about like world culture. And especially right. after his move to CNN. Uh, Anthony Bourdain got involved in like, you know, cutting edge. And I say cutting edge, this is a weird way to place to say it, but like cutting edge politics. Like he was talking to a guy in Russia that nobody liked who got assassinated a month after he did his show. So, and I've, this is my main thesis, if you will. <laughs> um, I have learned more about world culture from watching their food shows than I have ever done from a class or a book. Yeah. And I'm I'm sad, but Yeah. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people in the world mourning and, you know, just reach out to your friends. It's not on the person who's depressed or sad to reach out to you. Just check on your friends, everybody, even if they seem fine. Just be good friends with your friends and and be there for them. And hopefully we can prevent more sad things like this from happening. So can, now, can I, be, can I be the terrible person that I am for a sec? Sure, uh, sure. I mean, my my, I, I'm not kidding. My first thought was, I wondered if that was like a Michael Hutchins situation. Wait, wait what's uh, huh? So Michael Hutchins, Auto-erotic singer of NXT. Oh, okay. Kinda I wondered. mean, it could be. I mean, the dude was. I mean, he. Like, was I'm not casting charged. aspersions. I'm just saying yeah. it happens. Well, yeah, and well, and there's no, they're not releasing any information, or they haven't yet, right. and you know, and I understand well, it's not up. We don't need to know how it happened. Honestly, the fact of the matter is, is it did happen, and that's really, yeah, that's really all we need to know. His, uh, his, in my opinion, current girlfriend, well, girlfriend, um, Asia Argento has not commented. His. Ex-wives, including the mother of his 11-year-old daughter, have not commented, and I honestly don't expect any of them to, and why would they? I don't think they need to. If they want to, good for them, but I don't feel that they need to. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's unfortunate. It's sad, but, um, you know, let's just, uh, moving forward, just try to be good to people, and hopefully we yeah. can prevent stuff like this from happening. So now we're going to turn it on. To something, we're gonna take a whole, you know, sharp turn here because I don't want to have talk a... about something really fun and happy like global warming. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's that's a, we're a pop culture and interview show. We don't necessarily talk about sciencey stuff. Oh, so that we're gonna much. talk we about sometimes. we're gonna talk about popular stars that don't believe in global warming. <laughs> no. Oh. Okay. Um, Dave, have you seen Deadpool too? No. Okay, so I'm the only one in the room has seen it, and I'm gonna give my unpopular opinion right now because. 
I think I've only talked to two other people that agreed with me. I didn't care for it. Okay. Um, there was like the first movie that was really funny. It was well done. It was interesting. It was something new. You mm-hmm. know, it was, a, but the, this Deadpool two is more of the same, but like, it's more annoying. It's like too much fourth wall breaking. Like every two or three minutes, I felt like it was happening. So, and like, um, uh, Negasonic has like a girlfriend who's basically only there to say like, hi, Wade, like every, to make her edgy. So like th- for like three, er. like three times in the movie. And then at the end, she comes in for the final fight for like five minutes. So there's no, like they just put her in there for like no reason. It doesn't really move the plot or do anything. It was just kind of pointless. Wait, wait, let me, let me just the girl has a girlfriend. Yes. Okay. The reason that I make a point out of that is that the original, if I understand correctly, Negasonic Teenage Warhead was a uh a psychic. They basically stole her powers from I think it's Speedball because they sound cooler and fit her name better. And in the comics basically died in her first appearance. But they took this character and was like, oh, we can make this, you know, edgy, cool kind of thing. And I'm like, so wait, what? We have to make her lesbian to make her edgier-er? I, I don't know. What do you think? You own the market on lesbian psychics? Yes, he does. Well, <laughs> no, she, she's not a psychic in this version, so I think it is a fair comparison. And yes, currently I do. Um, but yeah, like Cable was cool. I thought um, I thought uh, Josh Brolin did a great job as Cable. Josh Groban? No. Okay. Just God, checking. no more shots before we do this show ever. <laughs> That's a full desagulation. <laughs> um, and uh, I really like Domino. She was actually the highlight of the movie for me. But um, otherwise, it was just like rehashed, overdone, fourth wall breaking, and it wasn't funny. I did hear it wasn't testing well, and it, like right away, I'm like, well, if your focus group, I'm assuming you're picking focus groups that would like the subject material, and if it's not testing well, that's not good. Yeah, and like there's a more serious aspect um, in this movie. There's a more dramatic, and I, I, since you guys haven't seen it, I'm not going to say anything, but yeah, it's I, like... The, I'm not worried about spoilers. Yeah, like the first part of the movie was like really like such a downer. And then it gets really, really serious, and it's and then it's like. Well, I mean, let's remember the foundational plot point is dude with cancer. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but, okay. Well, then I'm just going to say, Deadpool's been out for long enough. If you haven't seen it and you don't want to hear what I'm about to say, then just like put your fingers in your ears and go la 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 for like a minute. Um, in this film, like in the beginning, uh, his girlfriend or his wife or fiance or whatever gets killed. Okay. At like right after they just had a conversation about starting uh. a family, so she gets murdered. And so it's like this whole dark thing after that. And like, you know, she had to free herself up to go film more crappy episodes of Gotham. (laughs) No, that's getting canceled, though, after the next season anyway. Is it? Which reinforces my more crappy episodes of Gotham. I got kind of bored with it. No, yeah, people are like, it got weird. But anyway, moving on. Yeah, let me just finish this really quick. Although she's probably going to come back to life because she actually has superpowers in the comics. Whatever, continue. Well, she, at the end of the movie, like during the credits, um, he takes uh, Cable's time machine. 
and goes back and fixes it so she never dies, fixes a bunch of things that happen in the movie. And that was actually kind of the only funny part of the movie for me was when that happened. That is why I so hate all the time way- travel that works like that because it renders entire plots, entire hours you sit through completely meaningless. And, and that's exactly what it did. So you mean like everything everyone was complaining about when it came to uh, Thanos and, and the Avengers movie? And everybody dying in that. Oh, yeah, because it's all yeah. going to get undone. Because they're too dumb to remember that one of the crystals is time. Right. Yep. Travel. It, control. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and a lot of people really liked it. And that's cool. If you liked it, I'm glad. I am never one of those people who's like, I'm not trying to like be like super negative about a movie to try to sway anybody else's opinion. It's just my own opinion. And if you liked it, more power to you. Like, I'm pumped for you. It's good to like things. Uh, and I'm not trying to like hate on fans. I just personally was expecting more from it, and it was a disappointment. I was excited going in, and I was very, I, it, it was disappointing. So I have seen Solo twice, though. Yeah, we I, we did want to. I haven't seen Solo. Neither has he. But we did want to talk about it um, because there's been a lot going on, like on social media, like right. back and forth. People are like, "Oh, it's oh, you I've know. gotten into full on raging debates with people." Well. And so you're somebody you're a Star Wars person. You're Absolutely. like you love Star Wars. You're you're and a lot of people who claim to love Star Wars rip a lot of this stuff apart. Because those are assholes. You know, and even the worst Star Wars movie, you can find something if you're a real fan, you can find something at least positive to say. You don't have mm-hmm. to love the whole movie, but there's even in Deadpool too, which I did not care for, there is positive stuff in mm-hmm. it. There's but there's these people out there that are just going full negative and there's like saying that no redeeming qualities and like it's just trashing it. Those are the same people who identify themselves as uh, – what are they called? Uh, incels. Oh, incels. That's, oh, that's those people. Uh, those are people because every single debate I've gotten into, the words forced feminism have mm. have been thrown around liberally uh, or oh, maybe conservatively. There are women in it. Well, no, but so here's the funny thing. I'm like, okay, so Jackass, like you're still talking about the last movie. You're not talking about this movie because right. I happen to know for a fact you haven't seen this movie yet and that doesn't exist in this movie. Okay. Like it's like it, I mean if you're looking for a good throwback to a new hope that it's a spaghetti western set in space, this is your flick. And so what's going on is that all the little butt hurt fanboys <sighs> That got pissed off by episode eight are now boycotting Solo, which is single-handedly the dumbest effing thing you can possibly do because this is the movie you want them to make more of. If you don't want any more of episode eight, fine. Don't go see episode nine. Solo is the flick you want. Right. And I'm interested in seeing it just because I like the story. And there's a lot of great actors in it, in my opinion. And so my only, like, the, I only had two things that I that I thought were flawed that I can talk about without spoiling it for you. But one, okay. um, so the actor playing Lando is so much better of an actor than the actor playing Solo. Uh, so much. Oh, I don't even know who the actor who's playing Solo is. I've I, never heard of I'll, him. I'll, or well, seen like when him. it comes to Topher Grace, when it comes to the mannerisms, the character, the you know delivery, speech patterns, all that stuff, dude, Glover nails it. And whoever that guy is that played Solo is pfft, nothing. <laughs> You're like, I don't even know his name because yeah, I don't want to know his name because I want to never see him again. Maybe, maybe <laughs> he's just not grizzled enough. Not enough bad things have happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> Whatevs. Um, and then, then of course, there's the witty comic relief robot. 
Um, and I well, seriously could. I and when you'd see it, you'll have to let me know because I'm still trying to figure out if the witty comic relief robot is supposed to be either a stereotypical black woman or b Iggy Azalea because those are the only <laughs> two choices. Isn't Iggy Azalea trying to be a stereotypical? Well, that's what I'm saying because like it's yeah. either the, it's either the caricature or the caricature of the caricature. Uh. Iggy, Iggy Azalea is like Australian or something. I, I yeah, I'm no, just yeah. So wait, so wait, is this robot? Would you consider this robot to be sassy? Oh, absolutely! Oh. It's a, sa- a sassy robot. It's a sass bot. Well, and so, and that was dude. That was like one of the arguments I got into. They're like, oh, you know, they're trying to talk about this and that, and and you know, the you know, the possibility of a relationship between a human and a robot. I'm like, number one, um, I happen to know you're a fan of Westworld, so STFU, uh, which that's all about. And I yeah. said, and number two, are you not watching the news because? That's going on in the world today. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> people that's... are marrying their sex bots in areas where it's legal. Um, some Japanese dude married a character in his 3ds game. There are people that are that marry their pillows in Japan too. Yeah, I forgot what they call those. Uh, the the body pillows with like oh, yeah. the anime um, chicks on them. I actually I saw something today and it was like it was like oh look we're getting all the types of cyberpunk and it was like you know uh super advanced but everyone or but like severe class differences and this and that and like America was this and Russia was this and it was like high tech surveillance you know big brothers watching and for Japan it's just like Japan just Japan yeah <laughs> those wacky folks no i heard though that this movie like and i think that's part of what you're touching on there um has something to do with like where they actually talk about like droid rights or something or that's something that the fans are talking about uh so there is a minuscule Mm -hmm. scene and like maybe it's two lines in the entire movie where there are uh so there's sort of like a battle bots scene going on and the, the comic relief robot is like, you know, you're better than this. Don't let them do this to you, yeah. yada, yada. And then there's one scene where Lando's walking out of the ca- cockpit and he looks back at the robot and he says, hey, can I get you anything? And the robot spins and goes, I don't know, equal rights. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that, like, and that's like, but that's the sum total. It has um, spurned, though, a lot of conversation about that because, like, the term restraining bolt and that sort of thing. And I I read another thing, too, where they were talking about the robot from Rogue One and how, you know, supposedly they free it, but they do it by forcefully reprogramming it. So it's still a form of, like, slavery. And I don't know. I mean, robots are supposed to be tools, but I, I don't know if Star Wars is really the venue to explore you know, AI rights, well, but I mean, we could. You know, they took on really hard-hitting topics in the original trilogy, like, you know, incest. Yeah. So. <laughs> accidental, <laughs> accidental incest. Well, right. no, so that, and that was, that was one of the things he was like, oh, you know, these, these plot lines just aren't, you know, the kind of thing that I would want to expose my kids to. And I'm like, really, as opposed to, you know, Luke and Leia full-on making out when they're brother and sister. And he was like, well, that only happened in, in, you know, A New Hope. And then they figured it out. I'm like, no, no, no. By the way, did you forget this scene in Empire Strikes Back? The, you know, I, I she revealed her true feelings to me in the ice cave and yada, yada, yada. And she plants like a long, haunt wet one right on Luke's yeah. And he was like, yeah, I forgot about that. I'll shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I mean, you've got, you've got, and I'm sure they weren't complaining about this, but you got Leia in full-on fetish gear just choking the shit out of a giant penis analog. Oh, Yeah. No, that's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. People just want a reason to complain. And 
Oh yeah, some people aren't happy unless they're bitching. That's that's just life. Right. And it's it's a it's really sad that the internet has allowed people to do this. And you know, we were talking about uh what what was her name? Um the chick who just came Oh, Kelly Tran, yeah. Yeah, who just, you know, she got off Instagram because people are, were like trashing her. We're just shitty. And it's, Dude, people drove Jake Lloyd insane. I truly believe that. Like as much as I hate episode 1, that kid did not deserve all of the recovered. shit that got piled on him. Well, yeah, didn't he end up like becoming like a drug addict? And, Dude, like... he wound up. The police had to chase him through a desert in a stolen car. Yeah, he, <laughs> he has not done well. And he, he blames it on that stuff. And I honestly, but yeah, I mean, if you're bullied for that long, the problem with the internet, too, is it compartmentalizes you so easily. You can shut yourself off from dissenting opinions to the point where you're only getting reinforcement that what you believe is, is right. right. Oh, yeah, you can build yeah. a little echo chamber real quick and easy. And, and yeah. the other and the other part of it is is that it's, you know, I don't care whether it's, you know, business or like school. Like back in the day in school, you know what? If you had a – back in my day, you know, you know, if, you know you had a, <laughs> old man day. You know, you had a problem with somebody. You you took it. You know, you met outside by the bike racks. One of you got your asses kicked. You went your separate ways, and then you know you met the next day, and you were shooting hoops, and life was good. Yeah. Now there's a 24 hour cycle of the 18 kids that videoed it with their phone and posted the video to your page, and it's on the Twitters and the Instagrams and the Snapchats and the all the things, and it's just there 24. And there's no break from it. That's that's the issue, or one of the issues. <sighs> the internet. It's like this. Amazing thing because we have access to all this information, but it's also a terrible thing because we have access to all this information. Oh, it is and, the best of times and the worst of yeah, times. Yeah, and, and the way that people choose to use it, um, it just astounds me. But, you know, that's a rabbit hole we could talk about, you know, all day. Oh, yeah, that's why I said I, one, of my, <laughs> one of my favorite memes was the, uh, you know, if, if someone were to, you know, rip get ripped through, you know, a, a hole in space and time from like the, the 1900s or the 1800s, like what, what would you think would be the most interesting thing to tell them? And it's I have a device in my pocket that has access to the entire knowledge of all of mankind. I use it to look at pictures of cat videos and argue with strangers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean about the cat video part. I don't use it you to know, argue with strangers. If, if, I had, <laughs> if I had one thing to say about the internet – you know, in hindsight being 2020, is that your scientists were so preoccupied with whether they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. (laughs) This is true. Oh, man. Well, and speaking of social media, uh, Facebook, you said was – and I had heard about this before, but I totally forgot about it. They're stopping like the trending news. Yeah, so they're nuking the trending news section, um, which, I mean, honestly, good because there was a huge – like, you know, all the fake news, um, you know, and all the, you know, basically spam farms and all that kind of stuff that were, you know, that they've now proven were put out there to influence the election and everything else um, were all built to gamify – the trending news section to get your, you know, to get their articles put in that spot so that more people would click on them. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, yeah, they're just going to nuke it and do away with it, and I'm perfectly okay with it. Oh, sounds like a good plan to me. And I, well, after all that, the hot water that Zuckerberg got into, you know, with the data mining and all of that. See, which was so stupid. And I'm like, I've said it a million times, people. If you don't understand this, if you are not paying for a service. You are the service. And so reality 101 and, – and more to the point, if you don't pay attention to what you're doing, like every single effing one of you 
that should, I mean, what kind of bagel are you? I'm an everything bagel. Or, you know, what, what kind of art form would you be? I'm oh, nihilistic. The Those are all designed <laughs> to farm your data, all of them, because you don't pay attention to it and you're giving this stupid little quiz that has no meaning on your life whatsoever access to all of your data, your friends list, in some cases your friends' data, unless you're like me and you have shit like that locked down and blocked, but you're giving, you're voluntarily giving up all of this information. How are you possibly bitching that somebody is then collecting it? I guess people choose to be ignorant and they don't – people want to use these services but they don't want to think about the consequences like, oh, of you using know, the services. Don't you dare track me but my GPS better work. Right. Yeah, that's the whole thing. It's like they want to use the stuff, but they don't want the negatives that come you with it. What? And that's on them. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I know when I go online, like wh- exactly what I'm, you know, is happening. And it's my choice if I decide to do it. And if I do, then I'm not going to blame anybody else. Granted, there are people that are just not te- technologically educated enough to understand this. And for those people, I mean, I would say get educated. Because you kind of need to in this day and age. You kind of need to know if you're going on the internet what uh, what's happening with your information. Mm-hmm. It's kind of up to you then to say, "Hey, I don't know about this. I need to know about." Well, this. and it's in you know, and it's in Facebook's best interests to have everything not locked down because that way they can grab it and share it, and everybody else can grab it and share it, and all that kind of fun stuff. And it is what it is, you know. Uh, uh, because a simple solution would be by default everything is locked down. Right. And you have to choose what you open up. But then you'll get to say, oh, well, now I can't use it because I don't know how to get into these settings to open things up to let anybody else see my stuff. Well, to be right. fair, their their settings is just horribly designed. And I think, that's, I think they did that on purpose, honestly, at least for a while there. Um, I had something really, really stupid to say, though, about this. And uh, luckily for you, I've forgotten it. Just wanted to let you know. Yay! I, we did our job, Dave. I, I feel like we distracted him long enough. Yeah. It was shiny object, shiny object, shiny object. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so Red Sparrow, hadn't heard too much about that. Like I Never remember when they announced the movie and I was like, oh, so it's basically like Black Widow because it's like a Russian girl who gets, you know, ends up turning into a spy. And- Is her superpower kicking? Base. I mean, yeah. I mean, she's she's well, and technically, she doesn't really have a superpower. I mean, she. Well, okay. So I watch. I run to the movie because okay. I I had a migraine one day, and once I could actually watch TV, I couldn't. I was physically exhausted. I know that feeling. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm gonna run to it, and I was, you know, laying in my posturepedic or my tempurpedic with Temper, the frame yeah, with that, the like, frame. with the um the. The movable frame so you can like lift the head and the feet up. Super comfortable. Highly recommended. I don't get the whole feet up thing. Like that's just awful. Side note. Have you, you haven't laid in my new bed yet, have no, you? No, yeah, you, you did because oh, I right. watched um, – we watched uh, The Thing, which apparently – And the, I fell asleep the, the prequel, it, yeah. Which apparently nobody liked, but I thought it was awesome. I thought it was really anyway. good. Um, but yeah, so – okay. Long story short, I ended up renting this Red Sparrow movie. And okay. You know, because I'm like, oh, Russian, you know, stuff, that's cool. Spy stuff, that's cool. It's like right in my wheelhouse. It was over two hours long. Which is not cool. Which isn't, but I'm like, you know, I'm not doing anything. What, what am I, the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to fall asleep, right? Okay. So I start watching it, and, you know, she's this ballerina, like this, you know, this beautiful ballerina that, you know, everybody's trying to, like, utilize for her beauty and talent. Her partner um, – basically sabotages her so she breaks her leg. So it's Black Swan. So that his girlfriend can take her place in the company. She finds so out. So it's I, Tanya. 
Okay. So she finds out. <laughs> In both her... cases with less um Disagulation. I was talking. He interrupted too. You Disagulation's all around. God damn it. Y'all. I'm, this is just a short story. I'm just trying to like share my thoughts on Red Sparrow because nobody's talking about it. So yeah, somebody has there's to. There's a reason. Okay. Uh, continue. Yeah. So her uncle works for, you know, some, some, you know, Russian government, part okay. of the government. And he's like, you know, KGB. that you and your mom can't stay in this, you know, apartment that you're living in because you no longer dance for the company. They're going to kick you out and your mom's sick. But if you do this for me, I can make sure that you keep this apartment. And this is her uncle, mind you, who's sexually attracted to her. And they make a point to discuss this several times during the movie. So this is how she gets into like being a spy. Um, she, and then the uncle gives her the information that her partner, you know, sabotaged her. So she goes down to like where they practice. And while they're fucking in the shower, she just like beats the shit out of him with like a golf club or something or wait, like wait. a metal pole. She's fucking her uncle and then beats him at the same time. No, the boyfriend or no, the guy she was dancing with who broke her leg. Okay. So you two are his girlfriend. Okay. Gotcha. That took Jennifer Lawrence's place. She beat the fuck out of them because she was sabotaged and it ruined her life. Dancing was her life. So anyway, long story short, they ship her off to this really weird, like, they train these Russian men and women to be like whatever anybody wants sexually, like to attract people sexually and they put them in these like really shitty scenarios. So basically they're like, they're and they're called sparrows. That's their name. And so using their bodies, they're supposed and they're supposed to just like you know get naked and like fuck each other and like do all these things in front of like a classroom full of people. It's really fucked up. So she does that and she passes and then she goes out to like do this certain thing and yeah, none of this makes any sense. You no, know, it's it's really really bizarre and it's kind of fucking boring. Even though there's like you know people doing it sometimes. I mean that's cool, but like that's really interesting. Like for like five seconds, and I'm like, okay, what's next? <laughs> like. I need something else to keep me captivated here. And it was two and a half hours, and it's like she never really succumbs to – she basically ends up playing everybody, including her uncle, um, to get what she wants. And it's just a long, convoluted movie to get to that point. You know? I mean, if you're really into, like, long, boring spy movies, I mean, <laughs> then this is for you. Way, way to sell it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence, you do get to see her naked. So if you're into that. Yeah, but, you know, that's uh, the fappening happened two years ago. Nobody cares. We've yeah, all, we've I mean, I, I, I didn't know. I I don't look up, like, nude celebrities. So for me, I was shocked. I was like, okay, that's what Jennifer Lawrence looks like naked. It's all right. I mean, most, it is. It's most, all right. Yeah, like most people, just everybody kind of looks the same naked, except for a few different things, and it's it's, yeah. it's not very exciting to me. But whatever. Uh, so, long story short, don't rent it unless you're ready to be bored, or you want to see Jennifer Lawrence, <laughs> or you're naked. sincerely desperate to see Jennifer Lawrence. We, naked. Yeah, yeah, that definitely happens. So there's that. I mean, there is a difference between between. Naked and moving and naked in a picture. So, I mean, maybe there's that angle. There were there were videos with the fabbing, too. I'm just oh, saying. There were, yeah. I didn't see any so videos. So she just had videos of her walking around naked? Uh, y- y- yeah. What, like, why, though? So this is the reason why when said, people are like – this is the reason why when, you know, you're like texting and like flirting and stuff like that. When like, oh, send me like, you know, a, a, like a vulgar picture of like your – Tits or something. That's not Fuck vulgar. You. Well, no, I'm not no, going to no, send no. it over a, through email that, or a that's text not message. The, that's, that's not her point, though. 
she said she did it because she wanted to hold her boyfriend's interest because she was afraid that I forget who it was at the time, him being away, working, acting, whatever, or whatever the hell it was, that he would lose interest. So people gave her a lot of shit for that. But the point is, it was her choice. She made the decision to do that. Well, and then I never said she didn't. That's fine. I'm. I assume that if you have nude videos of yourself that you've made them or yeah, but cases, coercion can be an do. issue. I, yeah. No, and I definitely agree with that too. But that's why you just don't if, – if you don't want that kind of stuff leaking, then just don't create that content. If you never create that content, it can't get well, out. That's my point. On the one hand, that's fair and I'm not going to get too far into this. But that's also like saying if you don't want to get robbed, don't carry a wallet. Um, no, it's not on I, you to – not have a crime happen to you. It's on the criminal. Well, and the one thing, and the funny thing about that is, uh, you know, Apple took a lot of flack when all that happened because it was supposedly, you know, basically people's iPhones that got compromised and cloud accounts that got compromised. And then like a year later when the guy, when because they, they caught the guy behind it, um, a year later it turned out, no, it was actually, so like part of the dark net, you know, there was, a, there was this group that basically um, collected and gathered and targeted celebrities and like went after, you know, they would find their assistants or find their phones or whatever and, and get their way into them and, and pull all this stuff out. So I mean, it was a very targeted effort. Um, it's, it is what it is. I mean, like, dude, if you're going to – whatever. I mean, if you're going to do what you do, do what you do. You know, it's – but just know that that – to your point, know that the possibility yeah. exists that it's going – it could very well wind up public. <laughs> Right, and that's why that's my point in saying like if you don't want nude pictures of yourself to get out, then don't take them because we live in the age of technology mm-hmm. where people steal shit like that all the time. Well, no, no, we're you, not safe. You are absolutely right. I'm, I'm just saying it's like if you want to do something that it's your legal right to do, you you're right. You should be aware that somebody can fuck you over. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Do do what you want. It's your life. I'm not judging people who do it. Send all the nudes you want. Like, live your life and be happy. I just. But chances are someone's going to get them. It, it, if you don't want people to see that type <laughs> of thing or to show you in that kind of a light, then never send out that kind of stuff well, to yeah. anybody. Well, and know? again, it's, it's kind of like we were just talking about with Facebook. Yeah. Understand the technologies that you are actually using when you do it. You are using insecure protocols to send something from one one device to another bouncing off God knows how many towers, <laughs> networks, people's home Wi-Fis, people's company Wi-Fi systems that intercept everything. You never know where that shit's going to go. Good point on that, too. Um, and I submitted a Facebook post about this today. Speaking about Facebook, I was setting up my speaker to use Amazon Alexa, mm-hmm. and it wanted access to my photo reel. Okay, the only reason, why though? Well, the only reason <laughs> I could think of that makes any sense is that they want to mine my photos to see what I like to smash ads into my face. Uh, but even so, no, actually, that's why? a predicate. No, actually, that's a predicate uh, for the next device up the food chain, which is Amazon Show. Oh, oh. Is, is that the, like, that the tablet-looking yeah. thing? That so that's why it really had nothing to do with it being. Alexa wanting it. Mm-hmm. It was Amazon services wanting it, making, you know, hey, that way when you get your next, you know, when you get your Amazon show, it'll already be there ah, for you. So they're, they're thinking ahead. <laughs> Thank you, Amazon. Thank Thanks you so much. thinking of me. <laughs> you know what? I would be mad, too, about them raising the price of Prime, but I buy so much garbage, it still saves me money each year. Oh, dude, I will always use Amazon. I mean, unless it, like, skyrockets 
ridiculously, which it won't. As I long as the think. amount saved is greater than the amount that it costs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I they always stuff. tell me at the end of the year, you know, hey, you saved, I think, like, it was like $600. <laughs> Woo! So, like, there's your buffer, Amazon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, uh, I mean, I get stuff shipped to me constantly from the Republic of Korea that I do not pay shipping on, which I know has to go on a boat and a plane and on another boat and sit in customs for three weeks before I get the damn thing, and I don't pay shipping. So... I think that's worth it. There you go. Yeah. Um, and to move on to something else about uh, women and, and, well, not nudity, but kind of, I guess, semi-nudity. Is it, wait, is this going to be sexy or not? Um, well, I, I think it's going to be a disappointment for okay, a lot of well, people. Okay, well, then I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Miss America has decided to end the swimsuit competition. Wait, pe- wait, wait. Yes, wait. it still exists. Uh, people okay. still watch it. Not me. Like who? I, old Men who want to see ladies in bikinis. Who don't understand don't how the internet works? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't watch it. I don't know what the demographic is, but all I know is that they're getting rid of it. Finally, you know, it's 2018. And like and like Dave, like you said when I brought this up earlier, like, well, that's why people watch it. Well, no, but I and mean. I get what you're saying because it's a beauty competition. Exactly. So people are looking at them for the way that they appear, their physical yeah. right. appearance. Um, and I was going to respond to you with this. You don't have to be almost naked to be able to show off that you're an attractive person. Some of them were one pieces. Well, even that. Even are are then, they getting rid of the evening gown competition then too? But the evening gowns were like really pretty. And I think that they cover more. I, uh, well, they used to. Uh, I, well, I haven't no, watched. No. Okay. Don't interrupt me. Let me finish. Can I finish? Um, <laughs> I haven't watched Miss America since I was like a little kid because I. I used to think it was beauty pageants were cool. Now I think they're fucking stupid. And if your yeah. goal in life is to just be pretty and win a contest, like more power to you, live your life. But that's not what I aspire to. So I don't watch stuff like that. I don't know what these girls wear now. For all I know, they're wearing you know a pair of underwear and pasties, no, and that's it. It nope, should be all power suits going forward. They're apparently all slit all the way up to their waist. Well, usually, like I've seen like the higher slit gowns, but no, like, I the mean ones. like all the way up to their waist. Like well, yeah, like, t- like yeah, look, like you can't even like, see the panty line. Well, I see they're not wearing one. Yeah, he, he's Christmas looking, vacation. Well, I need to see this picture. Hold on, I'm gonna just you, you put you I'm pull it go off really quick. while you're doing that. My, my point is obviously okay. Beauty contests are about objectification. Beauty beauty contests are completely about objectification. Always have been. That's the entire right, point. Right. Miss America has since. You know, God knows when tried to pretend it was about more by, oh, we're going to have them talk about things that are important to them. And we're going to have them walk around and stuff that isn't revealing. Such as and such. Yeah, and, and, and oh, wait, no, that was Miss Teen USA. I love God. America. Yeah. And, and the whole point is, is like, OK, you can't have it both ways. Either have it be a beauty contest or or just go all out and be like, you know what? They're going to run a, a damn triathlon while we're at it. Like, make it all inclusive or just admit it's a beauty contest and just be a beauty contest. Well, and I think that it has been, you know, always, I mean, it's always been considered a beauty contest, but they add that one dimension in because they basically want the person who's going to represent, um, you know, Miss America to not be a complete moron. Um, 
and they're hoping that of the 50 people they they choose, you know, one from each state, that one of them is going to be not only super hot, but smart enough to like go out and be an ambassador for the United States. And I get that because these women do go out and they do charitable works and they do nice things like, you know, with their title. Yeah, there, there is upsides to There the, is. Yeah. And so that's why I'm saying I'm not knocking these women, you know, because it – if this is something that you feel in your heart you want to do, like good for you. Don't let anybody tell you that you, you know, what you're doing is not valid. But for most women, they're not thinking like, oh, I, you know, want to be known just for how I look. Like I want to do something different with my life, in my opinion, with the people that I've met in my life. So to each their own. Again, I don't, I'm not knocking anybody. If you want to be, a, uh, I don't know, if you want to, Work a corner, work a corner. I don't care. Do you? Just that's not. It's not for me. <laughs> well, now you're just equating um, physical appearance and egotism to prostitution, and I don't think. No, that's actually, fair. I wasn't. I was. You just, said work a corner. Yeah, I was saying uh, if a woman wants to be a prostitute, she can be a prostitute. Now, I'm not saying that the women that in Miss America are prostitutes. Yeah, I'm not I'm, likening I'm just, those two. I'm just calling you out for a bad segue. That's all. Well, that's you apparently heard what you wanted to hear shim so congratulations you're the asshole welcome um, to arguing on the internet with strangers right <laughs> except live in studio with friends I know. oh no oh, oh i'm sorry stephanie did i trigger you i win because i said the word trigger before you said the word trigger uh, no you lose because i never would use that word because <laughs> it's terrible and i still win somehow because those are the rules of the internet which i hate which i hate so then he still loses because he hates the rules, but he won by those rules. This is just getting really complicated. All I know is, speaking of pulling the trigger, a lot of people pulled the trigger on this new Atari console that's coming out, um, which is amazing and awesome. They made two – Atari made two – million dollars in one day on Indiegogo that's for crazy. this new this console that's coming out that is apparently just designed to be hacked. Um, it's got a processor. It's got Wi-Fi. It's got Bluetooth. It's got tons of USB ports, um, way more stuff than you really need for a gaming console to play with. And the best part is it looks very much like the old 2600. It's got that wood grain finish to it. It's got like the chunky black plastic. Um, it's coming with, you know, the retro controller, you know, the old Atari joystick, but like updated so that it's Bluetooth to work with the thing. It's, it's just it, yay. Yay for Atari. Yay. <laughs> Dave's having a nerdgasm. I don't, Always. <laughs> I kind of get it. Like, I like the idea, but I don't get it. Like, what is, you said it comes preloaded with games, I think. Like, what, what's like a hundred? Yeah. Are they 2600 games? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, what, that's the problem. Guess. I mean, the fifty two hundred and seventy eight hundred had much higher quality games, but nobody bought them. I had a twenty six hundred first game console I owned. Yeah, I me grew too. up with that shit. They were fucking terrible. Those games were <laughs> awful, except for like Pitfall. Pitfall you was great. Shut your whore mouth. <laughs> And Ms. Pac-Man. Ms. Pac-Man was solid. Ms. Pac-Man is awesome. And E.T. was not really that bad. It was not awful like everyone makes out to be. It was stupid and incomprehensible. It was really stupid. That's But it was amazingly dumb. Yeah. Dude, I'd give me adventure any day of the week. I'll still Well, adventure, yeah. I mean, adventure had like the first Easter egg ever. Uh-huh. Because if you did things exactly right, it would actually tell you who programmed it. Yeah, it was the initials of the programmer. Yep, which was not something they were allowed to do then. Yeah, who was the guy that went on to do Yars Revenge. There actually is, and I don't remember the name of it, but there actually is a full RPG that was made for the 2600 that involves, I believe, leveling and getting equipment and random combat. But it was like so low tech, nobody remembers it. And oh, I can't even remember the combat, damn name. Combat was a great game with the tanks where you could bounce shots off walls and stuff. I mean, I remember that game. 
the thing is, the thing is, there were uh, there were fun games for the twenty six hundred, but I had like fifty damn games because each one would only hold my attention span for like ten minutes. Well, then just shut up and let nerds with three hundred dollars enjoy their shit. Oh, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Dave's like, shut up and take my money. <laughs> I totally. And I, although maybe maybe I you know didn't luck out. I didn't have that first generation. My twenty six hundred was all black plastic. I did not have the faux wood grain. Uh-huh. Mm. And the little the little toggle switches that were actually mm-hmm. like vertical little switches that you could break. I had the chunky black plastic ones that you'd slide back and forth. Yep. Although I did have these sweet controllers. They were by this company called Epics, and they were ergonomically designed. They were so much better than the original ones. Oh, well, speaking of Hipster. old school stuff, I mean, I guess this is, isn't as old school as Atari. But um, so this is kind of a weird story. I. I for anybody who remembers Chris Farley, if you don't, you're terrible. Uh, you know, famous comedian, movie actor. <laughs> Just put that out there. If you don't, you're terrible. He, right. he was one of my favorites. I will. I per, I take it personally if you don't love Chris Farley. Um, so his family is suing uh, a Wisconsin-based bike maker um, by the name of Trek because they have a tire like, and it's a uh, for their fat. But like, I was gonna say, is it? Yeah, are they fat tires? Yeah, they're yeah. fat tires for the bikes, and they're called. Uh, they call them Farley. Um, well, the, it's okay. So basically they filed a lawsuit against Trek Bicycle for naming its fat tired bikes Farley. So any bike that they have with the fat tires that, you know, goes under the brand Farley, they're saying that specifically they're using it to, because Chris Farley was a, you know, a bigger dude. Right. And they're trying to utilize his name to sell bikes. And it, it's an ongoing battle, and um, I find it really bizarre because, like, why would his family think specifically that this bike company well, is so – Well, so but here's the thing. Uh, Trek has actually – has not denied. They haven't denied it, but they, they didn't say that they did it either. Well, They're just arguing. Well, their only argument from what I'm reading here is that it it all hinges on whether or not Farley was a resident of California. Yes. At yeah, the time and that was just death. what I was getting to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so they haven't denied it, but I in I don't I, we don't really know because I read the article. It doesn't really explain why they decided to name it that, but they have not denied it. You are correct. But yeah, once they're once they find out if um he was a resident of California at the time of death, if he was, make his name and image subject to California law that um governs to deceased celebrities' right of publicity. Um so I guess once we Oh, update, breaking news. This just happened on Friday. Trek Bicycle says the family of late Saturday Night Live star Chris Farley has settled a federal lawsuit against the against the Wisconsin-based company. Really? Uh, they have reached the AP has reached out. Uh, nobody has responded. Terms are confidential, but says Trek can continue making Farley bikes. Well, and see, that's probably because they couldn't prove anything, and instead of making it dragged out, they decided to settle and make it like you know, like, just yes. let it slip we'll, away. We'll give you a bucket tire. Right? <laughs> yeah, just like that would be the smart bet too. Well, yeah, and they're well, going to sell. It's Chris Farley tires. Come on. Well, yeah, his Chris Farley branded. They're protecting his rights, and they because he fiercely protected his rights yep. when he was alive. And there were certain things that he would, you know, endorse or whatever. But it mm-hmm. had to be something that he truly liked and cared about. He wouldn't let his celebrity be used for anything that he didn't give a shit about, which well, was very good. A lot of celebrities w- will take the buck, and you know. Do you know say whatever? But he was he really guarded um, how he portrayed himself. Granted, we've all seen him in Tommy Boy. So Dude, Tommy Boy is entirely th- about brand integrity. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, when and he is about 
well, he was about brand integrity. Yeah. And so his family is just trying to keep that, you know, a thing. And I think that's cool that they're trying to protect him. But I also feel like it's really a far reach at this point. I mean, yeah. he's been dead for like 20 years. Yeah, 97. So, yeah. So it's like, do you really uh, think so that. So Chris Farley's death is now legally allowed to drink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is correct. Um, we only have a couple more minutes before we go to break. We actually have um, two in-studio guests joining us. Um, uh, they're doing this wonderful rock opera um, called the Daedalus 2 Mission, and it's going to be playing um, at Ant Hall in Hamtramck cool. uh, June 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, and then the 29th and 30th. Um, so Jim and Rachel are going to be joining us after our commercial break. But before we go to commercial break, um, I just want to talk – I just want to touch on this whole Roseanne cancellation thing because, mm. I mean, that blew up the internet for like – it's people are still talking about it. And it's, it, this happened like what, a week ago? Yep. And for somebody – for people to care that much about like a rebooted show, it just kind of blows my mind. I guess it was really good. The reboot was really good. But um, it got canceled because Roseanne decided to go on Twitter and make a racist uh, tweet, which I saw the tweet and I would have been offended if I was the person that mm-hmm. it was, you know, against. And it's inappropriate. And unfortunately, you know, like I, how quick was it that they canceled the show? It was like four hours. I was say it was, it was the same day. And it I thought was it was four like, hours. Yeah, she made this tweet, and four hours later, and, uh, and then she tried to blame it on Ambien. And then, God bless the company that oh, makes Ambien. That was such a beautiful who tweet. clapped back with, <laughs> "Yes, while any major, you know, pharmaceutical, you know, pharma or pharmacological project, you know, may have caused side effects, we're fairly sure that racism is not a side effect of Ambien." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was that was truly amazing. And everybody keeps saying, "Oh, you know, I feel really bad for like the cast and crew." And I'm like, okay, first of all, John Goodman. Has been a movie star for years. He's going to be fine. Yeah, but a lot of them kind of no. A lot of them have been doing other things. Uh, My point is, yes, it sucks, but they knew who they were getting into bed with when they came into the show. She's an avid. Not like she's changed. Yeah, nothing has changed. They know her, so you know. Yeah, while I feel bad that other people had to suffer because of something that she put out in the Twitterverse. Unfortunately, we live in a world like we were talking about when we were outside. Mm -hmm. You know, it's. Right now at this point, you know, if a guy gets, you know, said, you know, a woman says, hey, like, you know, you raped me or you did this to me. It's either they disavow the woman completely or the guy's blacklisted. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, this happened with Roseanne. I mean, it was just the axe dropped really fast on her. See, and I, I get the vibe. Like you just watch, you know, the way that some of the commentary came and, and you kind of get the vibe that ABC was already under an enormous amount of pressure. And that they really had this scenario already planned out. I kind of feel like that too. Because you have to know like the advertisers were like, look, if she goes wonky again, we're out. (laughs) We will pull pull out just like your dad didn't do. You know, (laughs) not that I want to get too political, but if only the American government had this kind of balls. But uh, anyway, um, also I did hear though that – and I haven't watched it, but the new show, while it was getting good reviews and stuff, does not in any way reflect her actual character growth from the original series. So she was getting more and more liberal over the course of it. And all of a sudden now she's like this right-wing pro-Trumper. Uber, Uber Republican. Yeah, but um, – yeah. But yeah, you know, it, it sucks. It, it sucks to live in a world – you know, where you have to be careful about what you say. But when you're a celebrity, you're putting yourself in the limelight and you are responsible for what you put mm-hmm. out. It, again, it comes back to what we were talking about before. You don't have a responsibility to be a good person, but you have to know that you can say whatever you want, but you still have consequences. Oh, yeah. Freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequences. Right. So, you know, don't be racist. Don't be shitty. Don't be a terrible person. Just don't be an ass. Yeah. It's that easy. It just 
don't be a terrible person. So that is what's going to lead us into break. We're actually going to take an extra long break because we're going to have, you know, we have two in-studio guests. So we got to get everybody set up and squared away. Um, but we will be back in, uh, you know, about 15 or 20 um, with Jim and Rachel of the Daedalus Mission 2 or Daedalus 2 Mission. See, look, dyslexia. We'll be right back. Sorry, I'm, try- I'm trying to get this queued up and I'm just going to talk for a sec while I do this because it's not cooperating. There we go. <laughs> Welcome to the way station. To ensure traveler safety and comfort, please deposit your baggage at the door. The way station encourages open discussions. All stories are also accepted. Rest from your journey through life. Enjoy your stay, and please come again. Welcome to the way station. To ensure traveler safety and comfort, Please deposit your baggage at the door. The way station encourages open discussions. All stories are also accepted. Rest from your journey through life. Enjoy your stay, and please come again. <laughs> Welcome back to the way station. I'm still your host, Stephanie, and Shim and Dave are still in the studio with me. They haven't run away screaming she yet. She did not kill us during the break. <laughs> And we have Jim Torito joining us. We, Whose we, mic I just remembered to unmute. Oh, good. Hey Welcome, Jim. Glad it's working. <laughs> I know. I know. It would have been really sad if I like introduced you and started talking to you and were, and then nothing showed up on the audio. Damn it, Dave. <laughs> okay, so Jim. Um, yes, Steph. <laughs> tell us about – okay, you have this really cool rock opera – we do. That is coming out here um, starting on June 22nd at the uh, at Ant Hall in Hamtramck, Michigan. So if you're listening it from is. out of state, sorry, guys, you can fly in to see it if you want, but it is in Hamtramck in Michigan. So tell us a little bit about what you got going on. Well, the show is 90 minutes, uh, 21 songs, and it's a space opera. Um, it tells the story of a team of robot space probes shot off from Earth uh, living into the distant future of the galaxy. They spend the first half of the show reporting back on their multiple discoveries and, and their curiosities about what they find and, and uh, what it sort of means to them. And uh, they spend the second half of the show dying off one by one. Oh, so it's kind of like real life. Oh, so, they, so, so they become the robots from heavy metal is what you're saying. Uh, essentially. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. This draws, this draws a great b- bit of inspiration from, uh, you know, pop culture of the 80s, 90s. Um, our favorite uh, – I wrote the show with my, uh, my nephew Joe Torito. And uh, as we were just developing the idea, we would banter back and forth about our favorite sci-fi tropes and uh, ideas about, uh, you know, good storytelling yeah. um, uh, when it came to fantastical situations. Uh, and that's kind of how we arrived at this. We started with the premise of what would it be like to be the last thing living in the galaxy. Sad and lonely. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my thought. <laughs> We, we sort of landed on sad and lonely, but uh, there was still a story to be told on the way to get there. Of like, course. Uh, uh, if you're this one space probe, you know, imagine losing all your friends, losing all the other interesting things that the galaxy was made up of. Uh, so that was the first song we started with. It was called Black Hole. And we decided uh, it needed like a country sort of hook to it. Like, man, I got to find me a big black hole to die in. And, uh, and, and, and as soon as we said that, we were thinking, oh, man, that is a money hook. 
<laughs> that is a money hook. So we built a song around that, and then we built a story backwards from there, and uh, just sort of imagined, you know, what what led this being to that point. Right, and the show is called um, the Daedalus Two Mission. Yep. Um, and and Shim actually uh, showed me an article, which I didn't. It was a Wikipedia article um, about what it was Daedalus, a legitimate one, though. Yeah, well researched. It was well researched. Okay. okay, but tell us. Okay, tell me um, what was uh, in that Daedalus. In in Greek mythology, I believe it's Greek, is uh, the father of Icarus Mm -hmm. created Icarus's wings um, and the the whole story of Icarus, you know, flew too close to the sun. They're like, no, don't do that. And he did. Wings, (laughs) the wax melted. He falls to his death. But uh, Daedalus also created the uh, labyrinth of Crete where the Minotaur lived and there was that whole thing. Oh, that's one of my favorite stories. So he's kind of central to like two – it's like a, 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 I mean, I, I don't know how much you'd say the symbolism of uh, the, the Minotaur story because I'm kind of – it's been a while. Mm-hmm. But definitely the Icarus story is full of symbolism. And that's why I wanted to ask you is like what was the reasoning behind – I'm sure you picked uh, Daedalus on purpose. Well, well oh, and it's, it's the thing that made the FTL drive in Galactica work. That's right. We were discussing I mean, that yeah. too. <laughs> Wait. In New, new Galactica? The new one. The new one. The new one. Yeah. The old one, one, had, all the old one had no FTL. Yeah, they just got where they're, yeah. wherever they need to be. It's, exactly. the, it's the 70s. We'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. But um, yeah, that's exactly what it was. The, the, the Icarus story is loaded with symbolism. Um, you know, the, the idea of Icarus is hubris. The idea that technology will fail you if you, if you put too much stock in it. Um, what, what appealed to us about that story was, uh, you know, that our, our characters ultimately fly too close to multiple suns and uh, put too much stock in their own powers of technology, and it's it's their ultimate undoing. Um, but we, uh, in terms of the story itself, we were less focused on on that as 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 the the theme we were trying to tell. Much more interested in what do these artificial intelligent beings sort of experience as they die. So it's it's character driven, which is really cool. Yeah, and it's it's really less of like a story arc. I mean, stuff happens. There's sort of a beginning, middle, and end of what happens over the course of umpteen quintillion years. <laughs> but um, it's more like a song cycle. Each one of them sorts sort of gets to give their own perspective and tell their own story through song. And the songs, like I said, I've got to check out a couple things again for sending me the link. They're oh, really thanks. catchy. Like, and I, and the stories told really, they're well written. Um, it, I think it was very clear that. what was going on. Um, because I mean, I know like composing, I, I used to write music. I don't do it anymore, but it, it's a, it's a daunting and, and difficult task and, and trying to, when you write the lyrics to go along, especially when you're trying to tell like a very, like you have a direct story, you have something specific you want to get out. It can be, you know, it can be a little hard, especially with science fiction, because there's so science fiction is so wide ranging and can be so bizarre. Well, I'm I'm a lover of science fiction, and so is my nephew. We're both big lovers of science fiction, um, but this is my first time writing science fiction, so wading into that water. And you chose the relatively simple, uncomplicated format of rock opera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, initially when we got – initially when uh, Joe and I got this going, we just wanted to make it a concept album. But I'm I'm a musical writer and like I've written two other musicals, collaborated on another that have uh, – I premiered one of them uh, in New York. That was the story. It was called The Other Direction and it was the story of the world's biggest all-gay boy band. Nice. And uh, the – The so, Other Direction. So as, as opposed to One Direction? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, and then I had written another one before that. Um, it's called Justice in Dusty Junction. It's just like a Western comedy. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and I, I work quite a bit as a music theater music director. That's um, it's a big passion of mine is, is working and writing in music theater. So even though uh, we started with this idea, it would be like a sort of loose concept album. My inclination was to drive it towards a, a staged production. And uh, as we're putting it together, it's it's um, I'm I'm glad we took that route because we're able to put together a fantastic light show, some crazy costumes. Um, I take the time to really rehearse with my singers because it's complicated music, but uh, these big fat rich harmonies uh, that that hit you while you're contemplating the meaning of life and space. <laughs> Which I, I mean, I contemplate that like every day. So I I. I I can dig it. Um, I did. I did notice in the video, like the stage setup was really cool. So all the musicians, the mm-hmm. musicians are all up on the stage and they're playing their instruments. And you got your singer, and it's like I really like that kind of instead of it being like you don't get to see the musicians or anything like that. Like they're all involved, they're all part of it, and it's kind of almost like a concert, but then it has that aspect of it's also a show. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very much, like, and we've been. We've been struggling with the way to uh, define our terms in this. It's like, is this uh, <laughs> is this a staged song cycle? Is this a uh, a musical play with, uh, or, or you know, what do we call it? How do we how do we pitch it? Um, and yeah, it is a lot like a like a concert experience. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they'll present uh, they'll present musicals just uh, with the music all up on stage. They'll put the orchestra all up on stage and they'll call that a concert performance. There's even a bunch of newer, uh, newer musicals that are out now, like American idiot, um, uh, where they, they put the, they put the band right there on stage and it is, uh, essentially a a rock concert that you're watching unfold in front of you. That sort of tells a story. Um, so we're kind of in that realm. So I got a question. You're obviously into musicals. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite musical? Because I'm, I oh, love. Gosh. I know it's really hard. I love musicals. It's like they're kind of my jam. So, oh gosh, I, and uh, I have, I gosh, I have friends who've written musicals, and I've, I've music directed for about uh, ninety different productions in the area <laughs> here in New York. Um, and I gotta say, my favorite one to work on was Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd's amazing. Sweeney Todd. Oh. It's fun. It's, it's so dark. It's, it's twisted. It's so dark. There's like the love story angle. There's like it has everything. Oh yeah. Just everything. It's beautiful. You find yourself at one point just kind of cracking up laughing at the fact that they're chopping people up into sausage and eating them. <laughs> and cooking them into pies. And and it's just just deeply hilarious the way they present it. And then the music on top of it. I'm also like a, a classical music. I was trained up as a classical musician. Um and the music in that show it draws heavily on some of the great 20th century masterpieces and uh so i mean if you if you kind of already have that in your ear you can pick out where sondheim's like dropping in hints of uh the rite of spring or the planet suite or um concerto for orchestra and stuff like that so that definitely appealed to me as well like the and the, like the complexity that he was able to bring to a very entertaining uh, story. Yeah, I haven't actually gotten to see the live show, but I've seen like you know, obviously the Johnny Depp movie. Yeah, I saw the movie, mm-hmm. and then I've seen like clips, like because they have recorded versions from like Broadway and stuff like that, and I've seen. And I'll tell you, I will not hate on that Johnny Depp movie. You know, a lot of times they they go right or wrong with. I mean, turning. It's his birthday today. 
Oh, happy it birthday, is. Johnny Depp. That <laughs> was one of today's reasons to drink that at the brewery. Is, yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> and Natalie Portman, who we talked about earlier. I forgot about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So now we know why the rum is always gone. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. That's all you need to know. So this is kind of a new step for you. Then this is the first time you've written something, you know, sci-fi. Yeah. But you're obviously a fan mm-hmm. um, because you know, as soon as he mentioned, you know, Battlestar Galactica, you were like, bam, you were like right there. Um, is science fiction like a passion of yours? Are you like not only into science fiction, but like like science facts, like you know the universe and the discoveries, and, like oh, the, don't steal the my thunder. I've been not, waiting over here. Uh oh, uh oh. Yeah, I'll stop let's talking in a minute here, but I just I'm just curious. But Shim. until then, shut up, Shim. <laughs> <laughs> Shim, Shim, let's let, let's do some geeking out. I didn't drive uh, thirty miles from there. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, like a lot of kids, I'm forty years old, so like a lot of. 80s kids. Um, I was enamored with Star Wars right, like right from the start. I, I, you know, spent my outside playtime with friends going vomp, 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 vomp. You know, <laughs> so did this guy. Ev- everybody knows what the vomp, vomp, vomp sound means. And uh, oh yeah, that's that's better. That one. No. Um, and uh, uh, I was also always just enamored with uh, with with astronomy, with astronomy, and. Um, what's out there and lately you know since netflix came out it's just been awesome to just binge watch whatever you're passionate about at the moment Mm -hmm. and for me it's been those like nova documentaries and uh oh yeah oh my god those are so cool (laughs) and discovery channel and anything that had to do with uh the universe in fact there's um they're like one of the series I really dug on is just called The Universe. And it's not on Netflix anymore, too. I'm so bummed. I know. <laughs> and I think um the 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 revival of Cosmos is actually getting a second season. They weren't gonna do it, but now they're gonna. The, that's the Neil deGrasse. Neil deGrasse yeah, they are doing by that. Seth MacFarlane. So I'm just saying, my in case I'm going out later, got the jeans in the car, got the sport coat in the car. <gasps> Got the shirt in the car. Yeah! <laughs> You're such a dork. Old school bell shirt galactic yeah. t-shirt. That's awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, um, well, yeah, and uh, I'm to, 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 sorry, but... Uh, we're just like thing. this. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, we're just like this. Well, <laughs> gaining, and uh, I mean, I, I even count myself just smart enough a um, science enthusiast that I'll actually, like, do a bit of, of reading of, like, uh, some of... Yeah, my favorite science books that have come my way. One of them was uh, Chaos by uh, The Making of a New Science. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. Uh, James Gleick. Gleick? Uh, I think it's Gleick. Gleick. And uh, after reading that book. Gluk. Gluk? I don't know. Gleick? He's just saying Gleick? stupid things in the mic now. No, no, it's him. not the monkeys from the Super Friends. Shut up. <laughs> we, we, Gleek. <laughs> we don't know how to pronounce Daedalus, and we're not sure how to play Gleek. Yeah, say, um, I don't know. <laughs> but um, I remember after reading that book, I knew I wanted to write something that was all about chaos and something that was like something that took scientific principles and put an emotional spin on them. And uh, I played around with a, a, a bunch of different ideas for a few years. I initially wanted to write a, a whole show called Songs of Entropy. And one of my music theater friends like took me aside. She's like, oh, hey, cool, but I don't think anybody's going to want to see that. Yeah. We would. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, we like entropy. We're, we're that's, in. That's we, what, we believe. Yeah. Well, we're believers. <laughs> what it sort of morphed into was, was this guy. Um, uh, 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 and of... I'm not alone either. I like 
modern science fiction is is becoming more and more science heavy, and I'm really digging it. Um, have you guys seen The Martian? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I like that. Yeah, I, which I mean, the 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 initial concept was flawed. I mean, if Matt Damon gets trapped on Mars, let's just leave him there. <laughs> no, no, we never leave Matt Damon behind. If I've learned anything, we never leave Matt Damon I, behind. I agree with this guy. Sorry. Leave no Matt Damon behind. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was really that was a really amazing movie, and it was a very um, like watching him use science to survive mm-hmm. and how he was able to do it. And it, they were using it's real science. So you're watching a, a movie, but you're learning something, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. That's what I wanted to ask, too. It's like like you, like you were talking about like quintillions of years and stuff and being interested in science. It's like I'm wondering, like, is it, do you go the full hard science route? Because we were talking about hubris earlier. Oh, or is it Kansas friendly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, like – one one of the biggest things I think humans as hubris can do is put a person in space because that is literally mm. the most life or death environment you can put a person in. Yeah. And like we have this idea of space exploration as being romantic, but you know, quintillions of years in the future, you have this terrifying loneliness of heat, death, and entropy where like the last things are just falling apart mm-hmm. and there's, you can't rebuild them. And I'm, I'm like, is that where you're going? Cause you, you, that's absolutely where I'm going with this. <laughs> you hit it. the yeah. nail on the head. That is absolutely <laughs> where I'm going. Well, I mean, it's, it's part of the experience. Yeah. Um, uh, even if you, uh, cause even if you do somehow figure out how to survive, you're still just sort of, uh, one of the, one of our space probe team members, um, his circuits just go nuts and go crazy because it's just it, – minds go crazy. And this this one character's mind just totally starts failing him. And uh, another character has developed a kinship towards this one and she's just kind of like dragging along his, his sputtering corpse mm-hmm. through these eons and eons of blank space. And we thought, oh my gosh, what a cool setting for a – Terrible aria, not terrible aria, like a heart wrenchingly. Right. Yeah, I mean it's, yeah. it's beautiful. It's beautifully mm-hmm. sad, yeah, or sadly beautiful. I mean, you could put or it either way. the movie Psycho. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and a little fucked up. Well, but that's way more literal. <laughs> yeah, for the uh, for the lay person out there, I mean, I would mm-hmm. of course still be a lay person, but like like mm-hmm. the whole idea of entropy and heat death and all that, and the the current idea of the future of the universe is that. Everything's expanding to the point where eventually things will be rushing apart so fast you'll never get the light from them. So future inhabitants, if there are any, will literally think they are alone in the universe. And then beyond that, as the ages go on, everything decays to its what they call the lowest energy state to where if there's a civilization, they have to work harder to stay alive than it's ultimately even worth. Like everything is just going to crap out yeah and your folks are gonna out. crap out they yeah. will and they, they can't <laughs> avoid that that and that's an interesting see and you're asking me is like how deep do i want to get into the real science of it like while me a layman um taking an understanding of that like what's interesting to me is finding out that that's what theory is out there and that's mm-hmm. that's something we can point to and say oh the history of our universe ends in ice rather than fire, for example. Well, not even ice. It ends in just like <laughs> splintering out. Yeah. Right. But uh, f- the way I process that, though, as a songwriter, is that what's the emotional response to that? And like mm-hmm. what's what's the story behind that experience? And uh, and I don't know. What kind of tune can I set it to? Right. And that's yeah. how you connect. You connect that idea 
to an audience mm-hmm. and you get them to emotionally attach to those characters because that's what you're you're oh, yeah. trying to get them attached because if you, if people don't like a character they don't care what happens to them exactly so i mean that's beautiful you take real science you take the emotion, you take the realness, and then you connect those together to make the audience go, I give a shit about what happens to these characters. Well, and they, they run into other science sort of challenges. Like, I mean, like after traveling, they're going to have to travel at tremendous speeds to cover the ground they want to cover uh, before the end of the universe. And, uh, I mean, traveling at those speeds, they lose sense of time and place. Like when when there's – when you're flying at close to or even half of the speed of light, there's a there's a time dilation mm-hmm. that happens. And if you're going in and out of like massive gravitational fields, there's time dilation that happens. So it's like not even – do you not know when you are? But because of that, it's hard to process exactly where you are. And so for a, a machine whose job it is to navigate a crew of others, that presents a real challenge. And for a team that all is facing that challenge – their one frame of reference suddenly becomes each other. And so we have one song that's all about, wow, geez, like I, I've lost my frame of reference in the universe, but like, it's you. Like I, I have, I have you guys. They suddenly understand like the powerful. Like every bar at like 2 a.m. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> that was like, fall, it's falling down every night. Mike's there right. at the bar and there's like yeah. two other people he hasn't met yet. Yep. Well, I mean, you know what else? It's kind of like, uh, with your work friends, when you, when you're, you know, you develop a relationship with your work friends and like a frame of reference with each other, just because you're traveling at the same speed at all times, right? And yeah. you're having to count on each other in a frame of reference that means nothing to anybody mm-hmm. else. Um, <laughs> it's very true. That's actually a very good analogy. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So I mean, uh, we created like a punk rock song out of that in space with robots. <laughs> Punk rock. I did notice. I'm excited. I, I, I did really notice some can't d- wait various genres in the samples. There was some actually um, uh, fairly. Um, I can't talk now. I talk all the time, and I'm losing my words. Well, I don't. But I don't know where you're. We'll go with fluid. Some very fluid rap going on in one of the songs. Oh, yeah. that I, was, oh I was quite intrigued by. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to sing the praises of my man uh, Paco Higdon, uh, brilliant singer songwriter in his own right. Uh, and I've, I've worked with him before, uh, just in a performance setting. Um, and, uh, I knew he was going to be my guy for this project. Also big time sci-fi geek, uh, but just also brilliantly talented performer. And, uh, when we, when we got to the song about, uh, about a space probe who loses his mind, um, in the vast eons of space, we wanted to represent that through, um, this like sort of hyper fast, like rap kind of situation. And I knew Paco was the guy to do that. He mm-hmm. spit some mad flow. All right. But yeah, we, um, we really purposefully wanted to shake it up with all these genres. We sort of, there's, there's like eight characters. There are eight different, like, um, sentient space probes that, that make up this, this team, this cast. And, um, it, sort of in order to give each one of them their own personality, each one sort of has their own musical style that um, uh, says who they are. You know, it's, that that is a really good way to um, set them apart, like without having to even give them words. Mm-hmm. You, if you say, hey, this character is like 
you know, jazz. This character's like rock. This mm-hmm. one's like punk. It gives this one's a little bit country. <laughs> yeah, that one's a little bit rock and roll. Yeah. I hate you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> well, it was. It also came out of the. You know, we, we wrote our first song that got finally a big black hole to die in, and then we thought, <laughs> and we we're like, oh, we we got to expand on this. We got to tell the whole story, and we said, oh yeah, let's write a space opera. And that was that we started with the words, yeah, let's write a space opera. And, and then it was a montage, and here it is. Right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, well, and then people people ask, still ask the question, so what is a space opera? And like, definitely at the time, we weren't exactly sure. <laughs> you know, a lot of people will describe like a really cool movie like Star Wars or the new Thor, like, oh, that's like a, a beautiful epic space opera that they put up on screen. Um, but we wanted to write what we thought was a space opera and we still uh, don't have a, a good working definition of well, what that means <laughs> but to us that meant we could incorporate a number of different styles so i have an operatic aria in there um, we have like this ziggy stardust queen-esque prog rock 80s which is soaring. amazing yeah that's amazing a, that's a big heavy portion of what you see in the show um some some call outs to like uh uh, like the Star Trek theme, the like the new Star Trek theme, um, other great space movies. We kind of drop little hints of uh, <laughs> of those musical bits theremin. in there. That's what that was called. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have a theremin. <laughs> that's that's we left that out. And oh, wow. Shame on me for knowing the name of that video yeah. game music. Like if any of you guys enjoyed the the soundtrack of the Mega Man okay. series, yeah. Yeah. yes, no, Mega Man. We have a couple of songs that are totally, totally Mega Man. I mean, Man songs. I'm not going to, but to this day, I can still hum every single stage theme from Mega Man Two. <laughs> yeah. This is my shock. Not going to, but he. <laughs> I'm like I'm liking this nerd synergy in here. We're all like really into sci-fi in this room. So that's think, really cool. That rarely ever happens where everybody's kind of all into the same thing in this uh recording studio. So yay. That's yay. good. I'm I, feeling the synergy. I was gonna say Showtime synergy. Is um <laughs> workflow synergistic dynamics. Very important. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um it, it's funny though that you mentioned about the whole space opera thing because I mean usually we use that term for like just like a space epic. Never has anything to do with music. We're like, oh, that's a space it, opera. We were just mm-hmm. talking about yeah. Star Trek. Yeah, it's a it space opera. People say that. But yeah. yours actually has music. It is <laughs> so, therefore closer to being an opera. Right. <laughs> yeah. It makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it really does. It does. <laughs> uh, that's that's what we were hoping for, too. And then, actually, as we got deeper and deeper into this, has anybody here seen BoJack Horseman? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, Todd uh, – had his ill-fated space opera that mm-hmm. that he put together and and just the process was slightly different for us it's like Todd just like got really high started thinking this would be a great idea wrote this space opera and then just like got really high and it fizzled out on him cuz he was playing too much video games and i just like didn't play the video game. So you only so got really high once. It. Right, right. Yeah. You only got really high the first time. Uh, not the second time. <laughs> no, no, no. Continuously through just to. <laughs> to be in that same, you know, mindset. Right. To be able to write it. I mean, you got to finish it. Jeez. Exactly. Yeah. So you have like a, you know, I looked on 
your website, you know, I looked through like the cast. There's a lot of people involved. How do you connect with – how do you get these people together well, that's, for your shows? Actually, that's the um, that's the other reason it worked out really great to do this as a uh, – like a stage production, like a like almost more like a musical because I've been working in the music theater world in the area for – for the last 20 years or so. Um, <clears throat> so I've made a lot of actor friends, a lot of musician friends, uh, directors and whatnot. And uh, just uh, having done the work I've done as a music director for uh, educational community theater, um, I've gotten to know uh, folks that are super passionate and just super great performers. And what we did is we just um, we just held an audition. And we put the word out to all our music theater friends in the area, and we got we got a handful of folks that are super into it and super talented and just totally the right people for the cast. That's awesome. I was I was curious if it was like people that you knew or if you did a casting because most people will do a casting. We did, but sometimes it's like you have already have like a good group of people in mind. Some people that you know do shows like that have that but you know it's it's cool to see that you were able to find the right group of people doing a casting it's like a really beautiful thing that well, they're I'll, all perfect for it and and i'll sing some of their praises right now too that um, absolutely sing all the praises you want in here oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, especially uh, if they're mine but you know it's cool <laughs> you, you can do theirs first no, i'm just kidding <laughs> well one of i mean uh one of the characters in the show is uh is is, is a uh a female character she's sort of like the uh, artillery of the of the group and uh so she's she's an edgy sort of punk rock type and i found uh i found a a, a lady a young lady named willa adamo who uh, is a co-founding member of this group girls rock detroit who's doing awesome things in the detroit area with empowering young women to make music and that's awesome but she's yeah so i mean she's doing this great stuff and then also it just comes to us with this wicked great voice and like ton of fiery talent on stage um i'm working with a handful of uh ladies who've been part of slipstream theater out of ferndale um uh, uh tasha sabri and victoria rose witherspoon and maya gangadarin who have been just sort of staples of the theater community out there for a while um just uh uh seen them do just really powerful uh, theatrical performances and a fellow who's a a regular out at planet ant in, in a lot of their shows, a guy named Rollo Michael Rollinson. Um, That name is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm impressed by that name alone. (laughs) He came in, uh, he came in, I wanted somebody to, uh, uh, for this, for that black hole song at the end. I'm like, I really need somebody with some grit. And he came in and sang me some Johnny cash. I'm like, dude, I'm so sold. (laughs) <laughs> that's beautiful yeah so and I, I know i'm forgetting some people so apologies to cast members who i didn't mention. oh hannah Tobitz, who um uh she's she's singing our our more operatic stuff but uh she's in a position where it's 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 tough because that particular role calls on somebody who's a brilliant opera singer to deliver operatic aria but also has to sing, you know, backup vocals on all this other like rock and roll stuff. So <laughs> can't be somebody who's got like too, too heavy vibrato. It, it can't be somebody who can't pull off opera. And fortunately, we found Hannah who has that like brilliant mix of both. Awesome. I got a great director, Rachel Biber, who's been uh, directing in the area for a nice long time. She's um, uh, 
she's just been a blast to work with, really knows how to get the most out of the cast and has uh, been brilliant about asking the right questions of how do we tell this story. That's awesome. I'm like so pumped. And actually, I would love um, – I mean this – and you don't have to give me an answer now, but I'd love to do a follow-up maybe with some of the cast members because I'm definitely coming oh, to see the show. Yay! Um, and I can bring like some uh, – the handheld gear and just do like some brief interviews oh, and then sure. we can mix it in all together with this show and do like an extended version. Oh, I um, would love – I would love that. I'm sure – I'm sure most of them would love that too. They're not shy folks. Uh, usually, people that do theater or musicals yeah. and stuff. Yeah, they're Ooh. not usually shy. You noticed? You're do an yeah. Extended cut. Can well, you can you Photoshop some dobacks in the background? Absolutely. Yes. yes. <laughs> we can do anything. He, we got, Girls with orange hair, whatever. Yeah. We we got some Cylons. Yeah. 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 He he does all the photoshopping stuff for me because he's good at it. I I just say, hey Dave, I need this, and he makes it happen. Most likely needs more droids in the background. <laughs> we need more it droids. Totally does. Yeah. <laughs> So um, let's let everybody know because um, you have it looks like five different showings. Yes, um, opening night is uh, Friday, February twenty second. Um, we're doing the twenty second, twenty third, June twenty second, June twenty second. Okay. Yes, yes. Glad we're talking this through. That's that's important. <laughs> June twenty second, twenty third, twenty fourth, and then the following weekend, Friday, Saturday, the twenty ninth and thirtieth. And uh, our Friday Saturday shows are all at eight p.m. and our Sunday show is uh, at six p.m. Monday's yeah. a school school day, yeah, and a work yeah. day for people too. So it's nice that they, it's nice that you're doing um, it early so work. that people can still. Well, Sundays, and actually, what we thought was cool about that is Sundays. A lot of theaters like to do their matinees at two p.m. But uh, we're holding a 6 p.m. one because then people who <clears throat> do go to 2 p.m. shows or perform in 2 p.m. shows can still make it out to ours. Uh, when you're a working actor, musician, it, it ends up being really tough to go see your friend's stuff. Mm. So um, so we did, we did the 6 p.m. show specifically for that reason. And I understand that I'm a bartender, but my bar closes at 10. So mm. I can still go visit my bartender friends yes. after 10 o'clock. You mean, you mean go to a bar at <laughs> 10 o'clock? Or just a regular bar, yeah. yeah. But usually it's you know bartender friends, whatever. They're your friends whatever. after after a drink or two. A- after a couple of drinks, we all become friends. That's how really? it works. Um, so tell us a little bit about the venue. I mean, Hamtramck is a really cool city. Oh it's my got gosh. a lot of diverse uh, like cultural stuff going. Going on. I understand there great... are 29 different languages spoken. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really cool place. There's a lot. I of would great... not doubt that in the least. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely not. And there's a lot of um, really cool venues for music, for theater. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, the food there food. is. I'm well. I mean, you've got all all types of ethnicities there, so you're getting like this really great mix of food. When I was a kid, culture. all we knew about was the Polish food, but now you can get like everything. I yeah, no, it's it, it, oh, it's yeah. a one-stop shop. Hantramic is kind of like this rad little oasis in the middle of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things you're finding is that because it is so hard to get your hands on licenses now because, you know, there's a certain magnet that's buying them all up inside the city, um, <laughs> a lot of places are looking <laughs> to Ham- <laughs> A lot of places are looking at opening in Hamtramck because they actually can't. Right. Like they can actually get their hands on a license to do something mm-hmm. with. Yeah. And you're – I mean I think there's something to be said about the fact that you're right there close to I-75. You just jump off at Kniff and mm-hmm. you're you're thrust right into the heart part of Hamtramck. Yep. But yeah, there's a lot going on in there. And just speaking to Planet Ant specifically, they've got 
They've got so much going on in that space. They have two spaces, like a smaller black box theater and then their larger hall. And well, I mean, and then the larger hall is also attached to their like ghost light um, Mm -hmm. bar, uh, which is its own music venue. And uh, they just have constant activity. They have a karaoke night, which I guess is unlike any other karaoke night. (laughs) They have uh, have constant um, uh, stand up and improv and even stand up and improv classes happening. Uh, on the regular basis, and they uh, and they're very regularly doing these uh, developmental theater productions like ours. Um, the the, <laughs> the last show that they just I, I don't know why I'm laughing. I mean it's it's fantastic, but the the last show that they just closed there is Yes Weed Can the uh, <laughs> musical. You're laughing because I wonder is what could that be about. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was. Uh, I mean it's it's I'm laughing also because the show itself was hilarious i uh, went and saw it um uh, a couple weeks ago and they uh, uh so they're they're bi- definitely hip to experimental theater they um they have a lot of music coming in and in and out of there uh different bands playing every night but yeah it's so it's exciting to be part of a space like that oh yeah and this week or this last weekend i think they just wrapped it up was a a women in comedy festival and so it's not just about. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Shannon and a couple of other girls that uh, record stuff here were a part of that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're not just about pushing the artistic side of things. They're definitely a social, uh, socially responsible uh, component to their mission. Yeah. It, it, it the city seems great, and I actually haven't been to Planet Ant yet, so I'm kind of looking forward to checking it out and seeing what it's all about. And now you've got a reason. I know. Now you've got I'm a like reason. really. Ex- this is like kind of a cool. It's it, it's synergy. See, mm-hmm. I told you science fiction. See, you can't. You it, no, you can't say synergy because then I I'm forced to say Showtime synergy. I'm for- it's, You're it's forced to. I think there's so much synergy that there is a synergistic overflow dynamic going. Oh on. Oh my God, you guys, you're killing me over wasn't, here. Wasn't synergy the name of <laughs> gems? Computer. It's Showtime Synergy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's oh, okay. That. Oh, I'm ba- I'm yeah. sorry. You, but you didn't say it with the right emphasis on the right words. Yep. You actually did a poor job of imitating it. But oh, I gotcha. It's it's. That, you're forgiven it's this time. Although most unrealistic cartoon ever. Let's be real. Jerrica knew the entire time that Rio was two timing her with Gem and said nothing. I don't think so. <laughs> plus, <laughs> plus, her name is Jerrica. I don't even think. I don't think that's a real name. That, that was like the most '80s name of all time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's nothing wrong with it. It was beautiful. I suddenly really want to get a pet just so I can name it. Uh, So, okay. Um, Anything else that you want us to know about this show? I mean, we've gotten into Uh, like websites. I was just saying, where would one go buy tickets? Yeah, where are people even going to find you? Um, The (laughs) most immediate place I would send you to go get tickets is planetant.com. They've got all their events up there and they've got plenty to see. Um, but yeah, ours is, uh, for the last two weekends in June, uh, we also have a, a great deal of content on our website, www.dataless2mission.com. Let me go ahead and spell yeah, that. You're going to yes. have to. D-A-E-D-A-L-U-S-2, the number two, mission.com. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's us. And <laughs> I mean, there's a bunch of links at the bottom too. Like I saw SoundCloud and stuff. Yeah, and we're on so SoundCloud, Facebook. I Facebook. saw you on YouTube. Yep, yep. We've got we've got a few of our we've got a few of our tracks up on YouTube. I mean, we we took our stuff to the studio, and so we have an EP out there with uh, three of our strong numbers. Um, 
Yeah, so that's the, you can find us online. Okay, but D, Daedalus, D A E D A L U S two. That's us. You said it's a you said it's a ninety minute show, right? Yep, ninety minutes. Any, any plans on going for that double album once uh, you wrap everything up? Ooh, ooh, ooh! Limited run. Who festival. makes who or do it in vinyl? No, I'll tell you. I'll be honest. I buy CDs, though. I'm the guy that still buys CDs. So. Yeah. Uh, you, no, I, I'll tell you. Like uh, my my future hopes for this show. I'd love to see this uh, find a residency in a theater where geeks live. I uh, like uh, be that. Uh, in Silicon Valley, out in uh, Washington, near um, uh, near the whole oh, tech Microsoft and the things or there. Amazon and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, or and uh, ultimately New York. And but we that's several steps away. So right now, we just want to make sure this show's awesome. And uh, from all the work everybody's been doing, it looks like it will be. Awesome. And oh, I, I didn't ask this earlier. Merchandising. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 May the Schwartz be. He knew where you. I was going with it. Yeah. I just couldn't do the voice. <laughs> um, how big of a theater is, is Planet Ant? Like, how many seats would you say? Uh, I, I believe capacity is 150. Oh, that's nice. So it's like a really kind of intimate experience. Yeah, it's a little I more love. intimate. I would compare the space to the size of a typical middle school gymnasium. Yay! I, w- I would compare the space to the, the size of that. So it's not like, I don't know, I've been in other 100-seat, 150-seat theaters where it feels a little more cramped. Their floor plan is kind of nice and open. they got some tables out. It's just like um, individual chairs and, and then plenty of standing room and there's a bar. So, so we're there. I was going to ask about, about concessions, <laughs> if you will. Um, just to be clear, it does not suck like a middle school gym because that is nothing but horrible memories. Nobody yes. wants to play dodgeball. Yeah. It is the size of one, perhaps, but it is not. One. Yes, no one, no one's going to pick on you for the color of your gym shorts. Yeah, good. <laughs> it's shim. They might. <laughs> you have some weird color gym shorts. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for us okay. today on the way station. It was really nice to meet you, Jim. Like, I'm super pumped to come see this show and like kind of take it all in. I hearing some of the music and being familiar with it always helps ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I like to go in and then I like quietly sing under my like. I, that's my thing when I go to musicals. I've already learned all the music, and then I just sing under my breath, and I feel like I'm part of the show. Well, I, I, that's the, I'm that I'm a musical nerd. I'll tell you, man. this is the kind of show. I mean, since it's not like a musical musical, this is definitely a sing along kind of show. So, I mean, there's a few moments where we break down and we just hold the mic out to the crowd. And that's that's going to be part of the experience. All right. So I'm going to be sitting in the front room. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> well, everybody, please go check out. Um, this show, it sounds amazing. Uh, Ant Hall or Planet Ant in Hamtramck. And mm-hmm. uh, it starts Friday, June 22nd. It's the first show. Away. Yeah. And it closes Saturday, June 30th at 8 p.m. So definitely uh, go check it out. Thank you so much again for driving all the way down from Clarkston. Thank you, guys. And, and joining us here in Royal Oak, Michigan yeah. uh, at the beautiful Podcast Detroit Studios. And <laughs> until next time, keep it indie, guys. Welcome to the way station. To ensure traveler safety and comfort, please deposit your baggage at the door. The way station encourages open discussions. All stories are also accepted. Rest from your journey through life. Enjoy your stay and please come again.